for our text. We'll take just one verse from the book of James. We'll look at James chapter 4, verse 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. We see here in this one verse, two different choices being offered and two different results being offered. To the one, it says that God resisteth the proud. That word resist means to exert force in opposition of, or to defy, to fight, to oppose, to repel, to withstand, or to pull in the opposite direction. That's what God will do to the proud. God will resist the proud. Yet we also see it says he will give grace unto the humble. Grace is God's unmerited favor or divine assistance to man. We can choose one or the other. We can experience God's assistance or we can experience his resistance. That depends upon our attitude in our hearts. You know, pride will separate us from God faster than anything else. The Word of God has much to say about pride. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19, gives us a list of things that God hates or are an abomination to the Lord. It's the, the very first thing on that list is a proud look. Proverbs 16, verse 5 tells us that a proud heart is an abomination to the Lord. Usually a proud look is a result of a proud heart. It says, though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. You know, when the proud band together, the Word of God says they won't go unpunished. God's plans will always be accomplished. I think of that account of the Tower of Babel. Many of us are familiar with that. And God had given the children or the people there a commandment to go and uh, spread out and to populate the earth. And they wanted to stay in one place and they felt like they were stronger together in opposition of God's plan. So they decided to take matters into their own hands and build this tower into heaven to make a name for themselves. Of course, God was not pleased with that. That was in opposition of what God commanded them to do. So he came down and confounded their languages and scattered them throughout the whole earth. God's plan was accomplished with or without their help. But it's always good to have God working on our side. What is pride? It's been said, I've probably said it more than once, but I've heard it said that pride is the one disease that is obvious to everybody else except the one who has it. Pride blinds us to our own faults. It makes us very aware of other people's faults, but it certainly blinds us to our own. Sometimes understanding what something is, it's helpful to understand what it is not. There are some misunderstandings regarding pride. You know, pride is not recognition for a job well done. There's nothing job, nothing wrong with doing a, a good job. We're instructed to take pride in our work. In Ecclesiastes 9.10 it says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. 
You know, if you're going to sweep a room, make sure you get the corners as well. Do your best. And being recognized for a job well done is not pride. You know, pride is not receiving or bestowing honor. Romans 13.7 says we're to give honor to whom honor is due. So if you do a good job and somebody compliments you, it's not proud to just say thank you, do it humbly, but uh, or to recognize somebody else when they do a good job to let them know you appreciate what they do. There's nothing proud in that. Even in the smallest things, we want to do our best, and the Bible instructs us to do that. Pride is not being secure with ourselves, or more importantly, we can be confident of who we are in Christ. The Bible says we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. It says we are more than conquerors through Him, through Jesus Christ. So we can have confidence in God, and we can have confidence in what God has called us to do, knowing if we are in the center of God's will, He'll give us the grace and the ability to do it. Paul said, by God's grace, I am what I am. You know, Paul recognized his God-given strengths and abilities. He also was very aware of his shortcomings and his weaknesses. He didn't focus on his limitations, but he focused rather on what God had called him to do. And he knew God would give him the grace to do what he asked him to do. By his grace, I am what I am. So being secure in what God has called us to do is not being proud. It says God gives to each man certain ability or certain talents according to his several ability. It's not even the quantity of talents or how many abilities we do or don't have. It's what we do with what God has given us. So doing our best with the things, the tools, the resources that God has given us. There's nothing proud in that. That's expected of the Lord. Psalm 34.2 says, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it, hear thereof and be glad. You know, you can brag on God all day long. That is perfectly okay. Recognize God's goodness. Talk about His greatness. Talk about His mercy and His grace. That is perfectly acceptable. Well, what is pride? Who has it? And where does it come from? Well, what is it? You know, one of the best definitions I found for pride is a spirit of independence from God. It's just that attitude that says, I don't need God's help. I'm good enough on my own. I can do things on my own. I don't need the Lord to manage my life. I'll do just fine on my own. Thank you. That is pride, a spirit of independence from God. Who has it? Well... We're all born with it. And if you haven't been born again, chances are you still have it. It's part of our human DNA. The Bible says we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We are born heading the wrong direction and really in defiance of the Lord. You know, for the longest time, I used to think that if you found an apple with wormholes in it, the assumption is that the worm 
God and inside of that apple from the outside. He bored his way inside that apple. But I learned a few years ago, I don't know how I came across this information, but the larva of that worm or the egg of that worm is actually laid in the blossom of that tree. So as that tree begins to bloom and as that fruit begins to form on the tree, that worm is actually growing inside of that apple. So it's probably a good sign if you see holes in an apple, that worm has worked his way out of the apple, not the other way around. Well, that's the way it is with pride. We're born with pride in our hearts. It's part of our human DNA. We inherited that from Adam and Eve, our first parents, when they chose to sin. We inherited that thing called pride and rebellion against the Lord. And often we know that as we children, as they grow older, that pride will begin to manifest itself in different ways and work its way out. But we are all born with pride. We know it comes from Adam and Eve. It's part of that Adamic nature. You know, pride can seem so obvious at times. It's pretty easy to recognize a person who's arrogant or proud or overconfident, but sometimes pride can take on much less obvious forms. You know, pride is that thing that makes a person think they can earn God's favor. Mark ten seventeen tells us that account of the rich young ruler as he came to Jesus and he said, Good master, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? He couldn't do anything himself. Jesus told him, sell what you have, take up your cross and follow me. And he went away sorrowful because he wanted to depend upon his own resources and his own wealth and his own accomplishments rather than yielding to the Lord. So we see our, 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 this idea that we can earn God's favor, really it stems from pride. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Again, boasting, we know, comes from pride. You know, a gift is an expression of love, not a payment for services rendered. We won't earn God's favor. I thought of something Brother Ed said Friday night that's kind of stayed with me. He said, we don't serve the Lord in an effort to impress God. We do it because we want to please God, because we love God, because we appreciate and we're humbled by what God has done in our life. So we know that we can never earn God's favor. You know, if I were to buy my wife a gift and present it to her, and if she said, well, you know, let me let me maybe take some grocery money and help you pay for this thing. I would be insulted. Well, how do you think the Lord feels when He provides us with His grace and His salvation? If if we think for one moment we're good enough to earn it, that really is nothing more than pride. Pride makes a person contentious. It tells us Proverbs thirteen ten. It says, "Only by pride cometh contention." Proud people are not easy to get along with. Proud people often have that attitude, it's my my way or the highway. And it often can cause problems with others. Contention occurs when every man contends to have the preeminence. He won't give place to another. That is a result of pride. 
I'm sure I've shared this account, but in the summer of 1986, there were two ships in the Black Sea off the coast of Russia, and they ended up colliding, and it was a disaster. Hundreds of passengers were thrown overboard and drowned in the icy waters below. And as they began to investigate the cause of this accident, they were quite shocked. They realized it wasn't a technology problem or even a weather-related problem. Neither one of the captains was under the influence of any kind of substance. It was all good old-fashioned pride. Both knew each captain was aware of the other ship's presence nearby. Both could have steered clear, but according to the news reports, neither captain wanted to give way to the other. Each was too proud to yield first, and by the time they came to their senses, it was too late. So we know pride makes a person contentious. You know, pride causes a man to blame others for their failures. Pride is that thing that makes us want to take credit for our successes and blame everybody else for our failures. That's nothing new. We see that clear back in the Garden of Eden. We know when Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God, and God said, Adam, what have you done? Well, what did he say? The woman which thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. In other words, God, it's your fault. It's amazing how many times people want to disobey God, and when they face the consequences, they want to blame God for those consequences. But that's what pride does. But you know, there is a cure for pride. There's one thing that's more powerful than pride, and that is a spirit of humility. That's the only thing that'll cure pride. You know, humility is that thing that causes us to accept personal responsibility, causes us to stop blaming others. I think of that old song. It says, it's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Humility helps us to recognize our needs. Pride will blind a person to the everyday blessings of the Lord. Proverbs 21.4 says, In a high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. You know, if a man plows his field in reliance upon himself and in his own strength, the Bible says that's sin, that's pride. Not acknowledging that it's God who sends the rain. It's God who provides the seed. It's God who brings the harvest. It's God who provided that ground. It's God who provides the strength to plow in the first place. If a man does that in reliance upon himself, the Bible says he's a proud man, and it's sin. I thought of another story Jesus told, and Brother Ryan mentioned it on, I believe it was on Tuesday. Jesus spoke about that rich fool, told about this man who's, ground brought forth plentifully and he was very prosperous very successful and his biggest problem was that he didn't have enough room to store all of his stuff all the stuff that he'd accumulated so he said within himself i know what i'll do i'll pull down my barns i'll build bigger barns and i'll take my ease and relax and enjoy the fruits of my labors i i i i i well you know what jesus said that man was a fool You don't have to blaspheme God. You don't have to curse God's name. You don't have to even deny his existence to be considered a fool. You simply have to ignore God. Just don't acknowledge God. And that's what pride will do. This man chose 
not to acknowledge God, and it was foolish. So pride will blind us to the everyday blessings of the Lord. And it also tells us pride will bring a man low. Proverbs 29.33 says, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. You know, everything a proud man strives for, honor and recognition, exaltation, that's all stripped away from him because of his pride. But Proverbs 22.4 says this, By humility in the fear of the Lord are riches in honor and life. You know, in the gospel, the way up is down. It says the pride shall be abased, but the humble shall be exalted. It's victory through surrender, strength through weakness. It's when we humble ourselves and recognize our need of God, that's when God steps in and offers us that design assistance, His grace. We know, we see the destructive nature of pride. But you know, God's Word also gives us some incredible accounts of the restorative power of humility. In our Scripture reading, we heard about one king, King Nebuchadnezzar. He was lifted up, looking around, thinking of all these things that he created for his own glory. Well, you know, God humbled him very quickly. And he realized who it was that had provided him with all those blessings. But I, I thought of another account, and, and really this is an amazing account. Every time I read it and think about it, in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 33, we read the account of a man by the name of King Manasseh. And it tells us, we won't read the whole account, but he started out as one of the most wicked kings that Judas that Judah had ever had. And he was also one of the longest reigning kings. He reigned for 55 years. And verse 1 through 9 of chapter 33, it lists all of the things that he did that were an abomination to the Lord. In verse 2, it tells us he was 12 years old and he began to reign and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. So you know, if God's Word introduces him that way, he was a pretty bad person. Talked about all of the things he had done. He had built idols in the house of the Lord. He had rebuilt the groves and the places of worship to Baal that his father Hezekiah had torn down. He even sacrificed his children to idols. That sounds horrifying. But you know, look at our culture today. Child sacrifice is very prevalent. They dress it up. They call it a medical procedure or a woman's right to choose. Same thing. It's murder. It's sacrificing children to the gods of selfishness and those kinds of things. And you know that sin won't go unpunished, but... This man, Manasseh here, he caused his children to pass through the fire. It says he used sorceries and enchantments and witchcraft. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord. And it says he did this to provoke the Lord to anger. And you know, God in his mercy warned Manasseh. Verse 10, it says, And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. So finally, the Lord decided to send judgment. You know, it says, the proud shall be abased or be humbled. 
It says, Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. But the story doesn't end there. This is what's so amazing, that Manasseh is as bad as he was, as wicked as he was. We read in verse 12, And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. And there were some fruits that followed in Manasseh's life. Verse 15 and 16, it says, And he took away the strange gods and the idols out of the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem and cast them out of the city. And he repaired the altar of the Lord and sacrificed thereon peace offerings and thank offerings and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Verse 20 says, So Manasseh slept with his fathers, and they buried him in his own house, and Amon his son reigned in his stead. That's an incredible story. Think about the power of humility. I don't think anyone in here is as bad as Manasseh was. You know, the Lord will come along and say, Well, you've done too many awful things. God can't forgive you. If you'll humble yourself, God will help you. If you'll humble yourself, God will exalt you. God will lift you up. You know, there's no one so bad that God can't save them as long as they turn to the Lord in true repentance and humility, recognize their need. And there's no one so good that they need not be saved. I think the greatest danger is people who are self-righteous. Again, that's a fruit of pride. You know, the moral self-righteous sinner... The one that's full of pride is just as guilty as the immoral sinner that lives a life of debauchery. Jesus gives us another parable in Luke 18, and we won't take the time to read it, but we it's the story of the Pharisee and the publican. It says two men went to the temple to pray. The one was a Pharisee, the other a publican. Well, the Pharisee was, he was full of himself. He said he stood and he prayed with, thus with himself, Lord, I tithe, I give of all that I possess, I'm not unjust, I'm not an adulterer, I'm not an extortioner, I fast twice a week, I'm not like this other man, blah, 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 blah. The Lord didn't hear a word of it. It says he prayed thus within himself because that's who he was worshiping, worshiping himself. We don't see one mention of gratitude or thankfulness to the Lord or one uh, fraction of repentance in his prayer. And it says that man left the same way he came proud and full of himself and unjustified, unforgiven. But we see the publican says this man stood afar off. He felt so unworthy he didn't even feel worthy to approach close to the altar. It said he wouldn't even so much as lift up his eyes to heaven. Have you ever seen somebody who's so ashamed of their actions they can't even look you in the eye? That's how this man felt. He realized what he was in God's sight. It says he smote upon his breast or he beat upon his chest. And we have his prayer. You know, this is probably one of the shortest recorded prayers in Scripture, but it was one of the most powerful. 
He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He humbled himself. He confessed the fact he was a sinner without excuse or justification. He wasn't petitioning God for temporal blessings. You know what? He wasn't even asking the Lord to get him out of his trouble. He was just calling on God for mercy. The Bible says God heard that prayer. It says that man went home justified rather than the other. You know, you can leave one of two ways. It's been said that the Pharisee, he went home dignified. The publican went home justified. We want to go home justified. We want to know that we have peace with the Lord. We want to know that we have God's blessing and His help and His grace in our lives. You know, there's a man by the name of S.D. Gordon. He was an old Christian speaker in the 1800s. He says, When self is on the throne, Christ is on the cross. When self is on the cross, then Christ is on the throne. Well, we want to humble ourselves. We want to recognize our need. We want God's grace and His mercy. You know, the good news is humility gets God's attention. Psalm ten seventeen. it says it causes God to hear. It says, Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble. Thou wilt prepare their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear. Best of all, it says God will give grace unto the humble. He'll resist the proud, but he'll give grace unto the humble. Do you need God's grace in your life today? Do you need God's help? Do you need God's assistance? We all do. Some may recognize that and admit it. Others may not. But if you're willing to recognize, you need God. You need the Lord in everyday life. God will help you. He'll bless you. If you're unsaved this morning, don't make it complicated. I know many have been struggling to get saved. Realize it's nothing we can do in our own strength. We can't earn it, but we can humble ourselves. We can trust the Lord Call on the name of the Lord. Believe in your heart. The Lord will save you today. God can sanctify you holy, fill you with His power. We do need God's power. We need the Holy Spirit. Recognize that. Call on the Lord. God will help you today. Whatever you need, we can humble ourselves, receive grace and help from the Lord. We're going to sing 605. These altars are open.